as I drove out of the parking lot, I looked in my rearview mirror and the place where the woman, the boy, and the jewelry had been was empty. The parking lot was deserted. I slammed on my brakes and craned my neck to turn and look directly behind me. They were gone. The indigenous woman and boy had vanished. Had I just imagined my interaction with them? You've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted. Minds are blown and veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leah's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. Confession time. I used to be something of a control freak. In astrology, I have a Virgo moon, which creates a propensity to believe that perfection is somehow attainable. Couple that with being raised by an adult child of an alcoholic who lived in fear of things falling apart and thus modeled very well what being in control can look like. And I can't deny that I chose to experience and transmute controlling energy during this incarnation. Many years ago, after much personal development work, my spiritual ego had me convinced that I had a pretty good handle on my controlling tendencies which makes me laugh now because that statement in and of itself shows how I was controlling my control tendencies with more control. One of my spiritual teachers saw right through my ruse, but said nothing about it directly. Instead, he challenged me to completely surrender for three months. My idea of surrender was to allow things to happen as they arose and to stop putting forth the effort to make things happen a certain way. That sounded like a nice three months. His idea of me being in surrender was to be homeless for three months. Not live on the streets in a tent with a shopping cart homeless, but... His idea was to get rid of my material stuff and the comfort of having a home in order to have to live by divine guidance. Well, I was committed to my spiritual growth and knew that meant getting out of my comfort zone. I was not at all thrilled about this assignment. I was living at the time in a beautiful three-story Tuscan-style townhouse in San Diego. I loved that place, but I didn't own it. And the private owners required a two-year lease. So I knew moving out would mean having to find a new place in three months. However, my lease was coming up. So I begrudgingly said yes 
because deep in my soul, I could feel this nudge to do it as well as a kind of excitement around the challenge of it. I say challenge deliberately because keep in mind, I did this before being a digital nomad was a relatively easy and accepted lifestyle. I did it before RVs and converted buses and Jeeps as homes were a perfectly normal choice. Hotspots were just coming online. Crypto was still an underground currency barely anyone was talking about. Since I wasn't independently wealthy and I had client coaching contracts to fulfill, I still had to figure out how to run my six-figure business from my car and in whatever situation I might find myself in over the next three months. Yet, I didn't want to orchestrate and control too much because then I'd be defeating the whole purpose. So instead, I set some ground rules. One, I wouldn't stay anywhere longer than two weeks. And two, I had to be invited where I went. Additionally, I have sun in Sagittarius. So once I got over letting go of the comfort of a home base, the adventurous spirit of the Sag popped up, all riled up for the adventure and ready to have fun. A three-month vacation? Woo-hoo! When do we leave? Well, I wasn't opposed to having fun, but I didn't want to just occupy myself with that and lose sight of the purpose of the exercise, which was to be guided and trust the messages I was receiving. So I also set an intention of allowing spirit to guide me to the places in which I could be a conduit for healing or support or where I would receive something to contribute to my spiritual development. These ground rules and my intention were known only to me. I decided not to tell anyone else because I didn't want people trying to rescue me or orchestrate things on my behalf. I really wanted to practice the art of surrendering and trust that I would be invited somewhere within two weeks of being where I was. I might not stay for a full two weeks. I would only stay as long as I was invited. I just wouldn't stay longer than the two weeks. At first, the invitation part was fairly easy. I've lived in many different cities and states and traveled a lot. I have a variety of friend groups plus family who likes my company. So when I posted online that I had packed up my townhouse, moved out, and was traveling around in my SUV for three months, the invitations were abundant. For the next three months, I felt as though I were on a mission trip, a modern day mission. I would be invited somewhere and shortly after I arrived, something would happen, a job loss, the need for a pet sitter because they had unexpected travel, the death of someone close to them. In each of these cases, I was able to provide support and comfort by being there. Invitations overlapped, so it was easy to follow my two rules. 
three months actually came and went. And because it had been so easy and fulfilling, I committed to doing another three months. Then without warning, I was tested. I had been staying with a friend in Los Angeles and had hit my two weeks. I vividly remembered that it was a Thursday. I worked with my coaching clients that morning, expecting an invitation to come. When noon hit and I hadn't received anything, I started to get nervous. There were people I hadn't stayed with yet who had at the beginning said I should come visit them, but they hadn't officially extended an invitation. There was another friend who lived in Hollywood who I'd seen for lunch a few weeks earlier who said he'd call me to come crash with him, but he hadn't. Should I call him? No, that wouldn't be trusting. I tried sending him a telepathic message. Mm, Nothing. I would usually leave around noon so I could get where my next location was in time for dinner if it wasn't too far or give myself time to find a safe place to rest for the night if it was far. With no invitation, I dallied and packed a bit more slowly than usual and looked at my phone about a zillion times. Finally, I left, not really knowing where I was going to stay for the night. I ran an errand to get a new phone cable at Best Buy. Still no invite. Since this had not happened yet on my trust trip, I had no plan as to what to do if no invite came. So I sat in the Best Buy parking lot and researched interesting restaurants in the area. I picked one to take myself out to dinner to. Driving there, leisurely enjoying my meal and taking a walk on the beach after to enjoy the sunset, ate up another few hours, but still no invitation. When I got back in my car and tapped the sand off my shoes, I could feel that anxious, uneasy feeling creep through my belly and and kind of stay there. I considered finding a parking lot that felt safe enough and sleeping in my car. I wouldn't have access to a bathroom that way though. I considered going back to my friend's house and staying one more night, but that didn't really feel right. I even considered going back to her house and sleeping in the car in her driveway so I could use her bathroom if I needed it but that just seemed like cheating. So I got in the car and just started driving. By this time, it was about 7 p.m. and completely dark. To occupy my mind, I got into a conversation with myself about what surrender really is and how I could apply it in this situation. I determined I was actually doing it by just driving and continuing to wait. Then it came to me that I was thinking of all of these possibilities because no one had invited me. I was trying to solve the problem on my own, but I had not even asked for divine guidance around this. 
So I took the next exit, pulled into a mall parking lot, closed my eyes and began to meditate, asking, where am I to stay tonight? Where am I to stay tonight? I took many deep breaths and waited and waited and waited. I asked again, where am I to stay tonight? Even though it was LA, it was getting a little chilly. I had turned my car off, but I sat still waiting. Then in my head, I heard sign. I figured it meant that I would be given a sign of what to do next. So I continued to sit, eyes closed in meditation, trusting that I would be given that sign. Then a car horn started honking loudly and the sound of people laughing who had accidentally set it off had me pop my eyes open to realize right in front of me, a half a block up the street was a big sign. It read vacancy in red lights. It was on a motel, not a hotel. Not a super seedy one, but not something I would have chosen for myself. I stared at it and said, sign? And felt a confirmation, yes. They had one room left. I took it. I checked in, got settled, and made some tea. My phone dinged. It was the friend I'd had lunch with a few weeks ago, asking if I had a place to stay this weekend and did I want to come crash with him starting on Friday, the next day. I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> but in that moment, I got one of my greatest gifts of my trust trip. And it was that I'm always provided for. I just need to relax and pay attention to what's right in front of me, literally. There are many other amazing occurrences during that trip. The creation of ecstatic meditation was one of them, which I shared that story in the podcast episode titled Channeling Angels. There's another experience, though, that during that 18-month trip was so profound, I'd like to share it with you on today's episode. Imagine me in my black Mazda CX-9 speeding through Utah with a cement Buddha in the passenger seat next to me. I was headed to visit a friend in Grand Junction, a close college friend that I had not seen in years. I'd been invited to stay with her for a long weekend. It was a weekday in the middle of the day and at a time when flying was preferred by most over driving long distances. 
The roads when I drove midday were often fairly empty. And on this day, I hadn't seen another car for at least an hour or so. If you've ever driven through Utah, you are aware that there are parts where there's a scenic overlook about every five miles. I'm not exaggerating. Since just driving on the road through Southern Utah is pretty scenic, I hadn't pulled off on any except a few that doubled as rest stops. I was having a conversation with Jesus about what my divine life partner would be like as I drove. Let me pause here to say that one of the things I did frequently on my trust trip, since I would spend long periods of time in the car driving alone, was to have conversations with Jesus or Mary Magdalene or Kuan Yin. I would ask questions or say things out loud and would hear their answers and responses in my head. So I was having a conversation with Jesus and he told me to get off at the next scenic overlook. I didn't question the guidance. I took the exit and followed the windy road up to an empty parking lot. Well, kind of empty. My car was the only car in the lot, but on the dirt in front of about five parking spaces was an older indigenous woman sitting on a colorful blanket. I laid out beside her were a few more blankets and on top of those an array of handmade jewelry. A young boy, presumably her grandson was there as well, sitting behind her in the dirt. Neither said anything to me, and I felt as though I wasn't to address them either. I looked at the jewelry, knowing intuitively there was something there for me. And there was. In fact, there were two things. Two necklaces. Almost identical. Both were made with beads and had crystal crosses on them. One was white beads and had a cross made of what looked like mother of pearl. The second was black beads with a cross that looked like it was made from obsidian or black onyx. The woman telepathically said it would be $20 for them both. I took the money out of my pocket, not even sure how it had gotten there since I normally kept all my cash in my purse, which I had left in my car. The boy stood, his back was hunched and he limped over and I handed him the bill. As the money was exchanged, it crossed my mind that he didn't seem real. I shrugged it off and smiled at them. I got in my car and lingered only long enough to put on the white necklace and drape the black one over Buddha. As I drove out of the parking lot, I looked in my rearview mirror, and the place where the woman, the boy, and the jewelry had been was deserted. I slammed on my brakes and craned to turn my neck to look directly behind me. A completely empty parking lot was all I saw. The woman and boy had vanished. Had I just imagined that? My fingers went to my neck and touched the necklace there. I looked down. The other necklace was hanging on Buddha. 
I reached out to touch that too, just to make sure it was real. A feeling of absolute love engulfed me. And Jesus said, gifts, one for you and one for him. I still have those necklaces. I occasionally wear mine, the white one, and I'm still awaiting the arrival of my divine partner so that I can bestow him with the very special gift of the black necklace from Jesus. This encounter reminded me that what we see with our eyes isn't necessarily real. And what we aren't able to see is likely so much more than what we do. And it has the power to reveal itself at will in alignment with our willingness to witness it. There are so many more stories to share from my trust trip. And perhaps I will cover more on other episodes since my three-month trip actually extended to 18 months. Thank you for listening. Next episode, I'll share some of my stories of seeing dead people. Until then, remember that your spiritual journey is a supernatural adventure in and of itself. Enjoy the unfolding and embrace the unknown. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. To step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.